Edutainment Learning is powered by Academica Virtual Education and Collegia TV. For more information, visit www.edutainmentlearning.com. My name is Rajan Shep, and I'm the CEO of a company called Chiron Learning. Um, and previously, I was a VP of AI for Google Cloud uh, and was at Google for about 17 years, uh, where I worked from the very early days in, uh, at Google, um, focused on technologies that helped businesses and technologies that helped, uh, that helped schools. Um, so uh, work, I, I, um, I worked on things like uh, Google Apps for Education, uh, things like Gmail, Google Docs, and, and things like that, that that are now widely used in the classroom uh, and in businesses. And then also uh, Chromebooks for education and Chromebooks for business, um, where you know, we, we started that from, from scratch with, uh, with, with a new operating system and then and then grew that into something that was uh, what was being used uh, across schools. Um, I'm now focused on really figuring out how we can use the, the latest advances in technology to really bring about equitable access to high quality education to every student. And, um, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm, it's been amazing to see the confluence of technology and education and what's possible now. Can you talk to the kids a little bit about your background? Uh, were you always interested in technology? What, what drew you to it? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And I, as I think back to it, definitely I've I always had an interest in, uh, in technology. Um, and it, it took a lot of just experimenting and doing in my early years, uh, all the way from you know, first grade, uh, um, all the way up from there to really figure out um, what about technology I really loved and uh, and where I wanted to where I wanted to uh, to focus and so um, it was it was really interesting to to, to explore different areas of technology um, even in elementary school middle school high school um, and then and then find my passion as a result of it. Do you mind if we jump into some student questions while we have you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so our first student question comes from our friend Raul. Raul, you can unmute. You had a really great uh, question. Go ahead and ask whenever you get a second, sir. Um, yes. So first of all, it's an it's a huge pleasure for me um, to be in this meeting. Honestly, I, I look up to you, and you're a great inspiration to me. Um, but let's jump into the question. So my question is. Where and how can artificial intelligence be applied to have its maximum impact in the human race? Great question, and, and thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Um, I think that we are at the very, very early stages right now of where artificial intelligence uh, can be applied. I think there's a lot of interesting technology out there, but we haven't yet applied it to a lot of practical problems um, yet. Where I see it being most helpful is by empowering humans um, and making it such that uh, we can do what we do um, at, uh, at, uh, at, at a much larger scale. Um, you know, I think that I've seen this in, in so many industries with, with artificial intelligence. For example, you know, things, like the, oh, things like healthcare. Um, artificial intelligence is helping doctors be able to detect diseases in a much, much more accurate uh, rate than, than uh, there was before. And by bringing together the AI and the expert doctor, you have this ability to be able to, to create a system that is much better than, uh, than is there before. You're seeing the same thing in areas like manufacturing, making sure there are no defects on the manufacturing line. You're, you're seeing the same thing in financial services, making sure that we can detect things like fraud 
uh, for example, in, in a much better way than if we did, uh, did things manually. And now you're seeing this in education, which is how can we empower educators to be, to, to be, um, uh, to be better than, than they are today and to, to really scale their abilities to, uh, to more people. So that's where I think you're gonna really see AI have uh, a strong impact by in, empowering humans. Very good. And um, one of the kids, they wanted to know, could you tell us your thoughts on uh, products like chat GPT, like uh, maybe pluses or minuses that, that you might think? Yeah, it's a very interesting technology. And, and it's something that, that I've been following and working with uh, over the course of the last uh, five years. Um, what's interesting about ChatGPT is that the, the underlying architecture of it is what's called a transformer uh, model. And it's a model that's been used in, in, in a few places already. So anytime you use things like Google Translate, for example, you're using a transformer model to take a word in one language and transform it into a word in, a, in another language. And what ChatGPT is, is that it's taking that to a huge extent by having a, a gigantic model with lots and lots and lots of data that can take any input and convert that to, uh, to an output uh, that is sensible. Um, I think it's a really powerful technology. I also think that it needs to be, be used very, very carefully. Um, where the technology is right now is that it's not always accurate. Um, it's not always going to tell you um, information that, uh, that is correct. But it's pretty amazing at what it can do in terms of generating uh, generating content. And so what I think is going to be the case is that all of us are going to need to treat that output kind of like what we treat, uh, uh, how we treat, say, a web search. We're going to have to be, uh, be uh, have our eyes open in terms of taking that as just a, a reference and being able to learn from it uh, to be able to do the task that, uh, that, that, that we want to, uh, want to do. I think this is something that's gonna get better and better and better over time. And is, you know, to that point about empowering humans, I think it's gonna make things like, for example, writing a letter uh, a lot, lot easier than it, than it was before or answering a question a lot easier than it was before. And so you're gonna see it get better and better over the course of the next five years. And we got a few, I know we have a few questions regarding Google, regarding Chiron, regarding AI. So we'll try and spread them around and not take up too much time because we know it's uh, pretty late for some of our kids. Uh, Michael, you had a very interesting question. Go ahead and unmute to ask your question, friend. Okay, so first of all, thank you for the opportunity to make the question. Do you believe that the AI will absorb most of the human work? And how will the humans get their way of life? You know, I don't believe that it, it will absorb most of humans' work. I think that it, it will do the things that are are the, the tedious areas of human work and be able to uh, to bring content or bring insights to humans that that humans can use to make uh, to make decisions. And I think that 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 interplay is going to be what is uh, what is um, uh, is going to be the key thing here. I think what it's going to do for humans is that we'll be able to do much more in a day's time than we're able to do uh, right now. And we'll be empowered to make decisions with much more information than we, we are right now. So think about everything from how you make a decision about how to buy a product right now, all the way through to how you start to write a, an email to somebody. 
those are things where there's a lot of repetitive work that, that, that you have to do to get to the point uh, where, where, where you have something that, uh, that, that is ready or a decision that's ready. Those are gonna be things that can happen a lot more rapidly uh, because, of, uh, because of AI. But ultimately, the human creativity, human judge, judgment are things that are really, really, really special that can't be uh, changed and, and, or, or can't be substituted. And so I think empowering that decision-making, empowering that creativity is where AI is gonna, uh, gonna uh, do its best work. Great answer. And uh, we have a question from David, but he can't under, uh, unmute his mic. He's, he's over in Europe. He wanted to know, uh, do you think that in the not too distant future, we could have AI as teachers in school classrooms? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think that AI is going to help teachers in, in classrooms and, can, and, and is going to be able to scale teachers in, in classrooms. So, for example, one of the things we're doing with Chiron Learning is using AI to make it such that really great teachers can teach one-on-one -on -one with any student uh, around the world. And so if you think about, you know, think about the, the, your favorite teacher or the best teacher that you have ever had. That teacher is only going to have an impact right now on maybe a few hundred students. But imagine if that teacher is able to scale their impact to thousands or millions uh, of students um, and can be empowered by AI uh, to, be able to, to be able to do that. Those are the kinds of things that I think are, are, are going to be possible. I also think that AI can be an assistant uh, to teachers as well. So for example, a teacher can be able to teach you a concept and be able to coach you. And then the AI can go into more depth uh, with you on that particular concept. And so I think things like that are gonna be possible. But if any of you, all of you have been in a classroom and if you've ever been in a classroom as a teacher, you should quickly realize that teaching is a lot, a lot more than the content that's there. There's so much involved in the coaching, the mentoring, the classroom management that teachers are exceptional at that can't be replaced by AI. And so I think AI is going to be able to aid them to do the work that they're doing. Uh, and you guys check it out, Chiron Learning. Uh, so you're kind of uh, talking about more or less like a theory of multiplicity. So instead of the 30 kids in the classroom, it's an endless amount of kids that could, could be taught, which is very interesting because a lot of teachers have a lot of uh, things to offer. So one of our students wanted to know, what was it like being in, at Google in the beginning stages? What was that like seeing it grow? It, it was really, really interesting. And it was an amazingly fun experience, really a once in a lifetime experience. Um, so I joined Google when it was less than 2000 people in 2004, and uh, now it's about 150,000 people. And so it's grown a, a, a huge amount uh, since, since that point in time. And it really was kind of a small, rapidly growing company at the time. And, and actually at the time, none of us really knew if it was going to be here to stay, if it was going to be something that everybody would really use uh, over, uh, over time, um, or, or what would happen with the, with the company. And what was fun about it is that you had a lot of brilliant, amazing people that were all thinking really creatively and really, uh, really going rapidly uh, to build uh, technologies. And so um, when I joined Google, Google had basically had Google search and we were we were just starting out in a whole bunch of other uh, products. We just released Gmail for the very first time. Uh, we hadn't even released things like Google Maps. Uh, things like Android and Chrome weren't even on the radar at that, at that point in time. And so you saw this just amazing 
seeing rapid innovation with small teams doing really creative things, experimenting as well. Um, you, you saw a lot of teams that would put out something that would fail quickly and then would go to something else. And it was almost like a microcosm of Silicon Valley with lots and lots of things being tried uh, that were very innovative and, and uh, a few things ending up becoming really, really major products uh, as a result of it. And so definitely an amazing once in a lifetime experience. And, uh, it, you know, it should be known that, what do they know you as the father of Google apps? And so that's, that's an incredible thing to be known, known uh, for. Um, we're going to hop back to Google in a second, but we have a question from Fernando. He had a question regarding AI. Uh, you should be able to unmute Fernando to ask your question. Yeah. So my question is, uh, what do you think will be the the next the next uh, great big advance in technology that humanity can make great question and and you know i think that it is really honestly tough to tell um i if i if you asked me that question five years about ago about what would happen right now i i i wouldn't have been able to give you a, a really good answer i think that where what I see as the next big breakthrough, especially with, uh, with, with AI, is really making AI useful, uh, making it such that it's something that we use in our everyday lives. I think if you roll back five years ago, there were actually very few places in our everyday lives that, that AI was being used. Now, all of us are using AI, even though, even if we don't really even know it, anytime you do a Google search on this, uh, on this Zoom call, um, being able to figure out what's background noise in the audio versus, uh, versus what's not, um, things like photos and being able to find the photo that, uh, that, that you want, all of us are using AI for those kinds of things. I think what, what's going to happen over the next 10 years is you're going to see an explosion in terms of the ways that AI can actually be useful uh, to people, to businesses, to schools. Um, and, and I think that we're just at the very beginning of that. I think that the, the usefulness is a few years behind the science. The science is, is evolving rapidly, and I think the usefulness will evolve rapidly over the next few years. Excellent, excellent answer. Uh, very concise. Um, so jumping back to Google, uh, we have a question from Alvaro uh, over in Europe. Uh, go ahead, Alvaro. Um, hello, uh, thanks for being here. Um, uh, I would like to know how did you have the idea about Gmail? Great question. Uh, uh, and uh, and um, so, when I came into Google, Gmail had actually just launched. And what I what what gave me the thought about Gmail being useful for businesses and for schools was I was actually at, a, at my previous job uh, when Gmail had been launched, and I was comparing Gmail with what I was using for mail at my at my previous job. And it was just so much better. Um, you can keep all of your email. You can find uh, the information that you wanted. I didn't have to download anything to, to check my email. I could check it uh, just on the web from any device anywhere. Um, and it just really got me thinking that that would be just amazing for every worker that's out there. But beyond that, that was just the tip of the iceberg. What if you could do that for all of your documents? What if you could do that for every piece of communication that, uh, that you had and make it so that on anywhere, any device, um, you, can, you can be able to interact with that. And so 
that's where we came up with, uh, with the idea of Gmail for businesses and Gmail for schools. And I'll tell you that there's a lot of resistance to that idea. Um, resistance within Google, resistance, resistance outside of Google. Um, nobody wanted uh, this idea of, uh, of taking all of your data and putting it onto one central server at Google or interacting with all of your data just through a web browser and not through an application. Um, but it turned out that, that that's the way that ended up becoming the predominant way um, over, the, over the course of uh, uh, those years. And so it took a little bit to get people off the ground with that and convince people, but ultimately it led to much better communication and much better collaboration than what we had seen at that time. Now, do you see, this, this is a question for me, do you kind of see parallels, uh, the resistance in education and business with what you guys were doing with uh, Gmail? and what you're trying to do with uh, AI or um, responsive videos. Do you see that where there's a resistance to change? Is there some sort of parallel that you see? I definitely think that there, there is, and, and for good reason. I think that, that you look at, for example, what we're doing in education, teachers are very busy people and they want to, want to use things that are gonna, gonna have benefit for them and for their students, and so, it's upon us as technologists to prove that this new technology is actually something useful and will actually be uh, something that will help them and won't be just a, a cool piece of technology. It'll actually be something really useful um, and, and will, will advance um, student learning. And so we definitely saw that in the early days with things like, uh, uh, things like uh, Google Apps. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot of question about, okay, Am I safe putting all of my data onto, onto a server that isn't within my own building? Um, and it turned out that you're actually safer doing that, but, but that took a lot of convincing uh, for people. And you know, convincing people about what is the benefit to them? Why would they want to do this? And I think we're, we're seeing that as well here. I think we're in the very early days of how AI can be applicable uh, to education. And with what we're doing, uh, we, want, we, we always realize that we need to focus on the educator's problems and what can we do to solve those problems. If we can figure out how the technology can be used to solve an urgent problem uh, for them, then I think we have something great. That's wonderful stuff. One of our students, he's asked me quite a few times, but he wanted me to know, can you describe at all uh, the process of somebody being able to work at a company like Google? Um, what, what, what should they be studying and what should they be uh, pursuing? Yeah, the, the, you know, what's great about companies like Google is that there are, there are roles for all kinds of different backgrounds um, there. Everything from um, engineers to product managers who, who figure out the strategy and figure out what, what needs to be built, all the way through to people that are helping actually get users to use that, use that technology. And so what was great is that I saw people from all kinds of, uh, of backgrounds. And so what I encourage you to do is think about what kind of role would you want to play uh, within a company? Um, what, what are things that, may, that, are, that make you passionate? Um, are you passionate about building things, for example? Are you passionate about talking to people about things and, and, and figuring out how to make things useful for, uh, for groups of people? And that will lead to different types of jobs and different types of things that you can do and you can study uh, to be able to get there. Wonderful, concise answer. Again, did you practice this before? <laughs> Incredible. Okay, so we'll go Thank with you. a I few more. It. We'll go with a few more, and then we'll let you go. Uh, there's been, and guys, I'm going to try and get to the most asked questions. So, what would you say to people who are concerned about too much technology or too much AI? 
being where it's thinking on its own kind of deal. Like where, where does, can you talk regarding techn uh, technology responsibility and ethics and such? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that ethics and responsibility with AI is is a serious, serious um, uh, issue and area, and something we need to think really, really carefully uh, about. Um, it's um, it's much more complicated with AI than any other technology I've ever dealt with uh, in my in my career, and the reason is because it is aiding the human being in in uh, in a much deeper way than any other technology that's uh, that's out there everything else is a tool this is almost like an assistant that is helping you think through a decision and so a few things i think we need to think about um one is um things like bias um, so it is very easy for an ai model to be biased because an ai model is just reflecting the decision making of human beings and so if the decision making of those human beings is biased that's going to get reflected in the ai um, as well um, we need to think about things about things like for example what are good uses and what are bad uses of ai like what is actually going to make society better and what's going to make society worse and you can very easily go into um, into either of those areas with ai What's particularly complex here is that in 80% of the cases, it's not clear if it's good or bad. It really depends on how you implement it and how you apply it. Um, and then I think the, third, the, the last thing is figuring out, like we talked about earlier, what are ways that AI can actually empower, uh, empower people? Um, I think we, we, we need to understand, again, that human judgment is something that is not replicable. And it's something where uh, where we can take in a lot of different data and a lot of different points of, uh, of view, but then we, we as people need to be able to process that, be, be, be very, um, uh, be very um, uh, judgmental on, on that data and then try to make our own judgment about what's the right decision. Um, so I think that's the thing that we really need to look at as we, as we think about how to use AI. And do you think like, um, and this is just your strict opinion as like an expert who you saw Google grow from its infancy to massive conglomerate or that it is today. And you're going to be doing something similar probably with Chiron Learning. I've said it a thousand times. It is going to change education forever. Mark my words. Um, so what would you have to say regarding as far as some sort of entity policing AI as far as how it's used and who is using it? I actually think that that is a good idea. Um, and I think that there needs to be more thought and more discussion about what is the right way, uh, the right way to use AI. Um, within Google, actually, we had formed uh, a whole system and a whole uh, decision-making process about what we were going to do with AI and what we were not going to do with AI. Uh, we spelled out a set of AI principles and there were our guiding principles about how uh, about what we followed. And so I do think that that kind of oversight and that kind of higher level principle is, is really, really important. I think that in that conversation, you need to have a combination of technologists and people, uh, people that are in different areas of society coming together to figure out what, what's best. Um, I think that there's a danger on one hand of being too reckless with AI. I think there's a dangerous uh, danger on the other hand of uh, limiting what the, what the technology uh, can do. And I think we have to find that happy medium uh, such that it's used responsibly um, and in the right way. Very interesting, very, very interesting. And uh, so uh, I am going to allow Gerard, he can ask the final student question and uh, then we'll let you go. Gerard, go ahead and ask your question, friend. Okay, hi. What impact do you think it will have on the new generations? 
like will they will the new generations be less prepared and skilled because um ai will do many of the assignments i i think that it's it probably will be the opposite i think that, that the new generation will be more skilled uh, than, than we all are because of the technologies that are available. And one way to look at it is, you know, I grew up in the, in the generation that didn't have the internet, that didn't have mobile technologies. Because we have the ability to, uh, to find information very, very quickly um, and communicate information very quickly, um, I think that we as a generation are more informed and also are more bonded to, uh, to other people and are able to actually uh, act on that information much more quickly. That can be a bad thing uh, at times, but it can also be a really good thing in terms of how quickly things can happen um, as, a, as a result. I think it behooves us to try to figure out how that can happen uh, with, uh, with AI. How can we make it such that it can, it can again, empower people uh, to, to amplify themselves um, as opposed to, to, to trying to replace people or make people complacent? Um, I think we all need to take into account what, what AI is bringing to us and then use it in the right way uh, to, to empower ourselves. That's brilliant. And I, I can't remember where I read this, but they were talking about the age of uh, information is now turning into the age of cognition or, or age of metacognition because we're so easily able to uh, get information. So uh, Rajan, first of all, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And we know it's getting kind of late for our kids in Eastern Europe, uh, but before we let you go, is there any advice that you can impart on these kids as they go off into the world and figure out what they want to do as somebody who blazed, you're blazing another trail now, you blazed a different trail with Google, what kind of advice would you have for these kids as they go off in the world? I think there are two things I would say. So first is follow your passion and, and really understand over time what your passion actually is. And for me, that was always the right guide. Uh, if I ever had to choose between something that I thought was uh, was say lucrative, but I didn't wasn't passionate at uh, for, but then something that I was really passionate about. I always choose the route that I was passionate about, and that's that's guided me uh, to uh, to the right direction. I think a second thing is to is to um, really think uh, at an early stage about being willing to take risks. I think that you should take risks. You should try new things and find the thing that, 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 that works for you. Without taking a risk, you're not going to, to really change the world. I think the last thing uh, about this that kind of goes with, with that first uh, area is figure out your purpose. One thing that for me is that I actually spent the last few years really thinking about what's my purpose in life and where do I want to, what do I, what impact do I want to have over the next 20 years? And that led me towards starting Chiron Learning. And so thinking about that, I think is going to be a really, really crucial. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. And we're definitely going to be paying attention to that, guys. Check out chironlearning.com. Uh, definitely keep up with what they're doing. I hope everyone is healthy, happy, and safe wherever you're at. I put out in the chat, we have two guest speakers coming up tomorrow. Professional soccer player with Wigan Football Club in England, Stephen Cocker, who's going to talk to you guys about his career being a professional athlete and happiness expert and medical doctor from Harvard University tomorrow. Dr. Sanjeev Chopra is going to talk to you guys. So before we go, Rajan, thank you so much for connecting with us. But I traditionally, what I'll do is I'll let, allow everyone to unmute. And can we say thank you before I end the meeting for all to Rajan Shah? Thank you. 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 Thank you.